funniest player on the team for me is Belly, and it's the way he delivers for real. It's like when he delivers his jokes, there's no laugh, and you really can't even tell if he's serious or not. Yes, we deserve this win, man. Fox Force 5 flying high in Motown. Oh, my goodness. I'm feeling great, man. I'm feeling it's the best I've ever felt. I'm excited. I'm, I'm all about winning. I know that the fans here are extremely loyal and passionate. And just like them, I, I want to become not just a playoff team, but a sustained playoff team and eventually get back to some of that championship success and contention. With the 12th pick in the 2020 NBA Draft, Sacramento Kings select Tyree Halliburton. Imagine being one of those players that's on a team that you know hasn't been in the playoffs in over a decade, almost two decades, about a decade and a half, then being the first team to actually get to the playoffs. Just being able to be a part of that would definitely be something special. And if we can, you know, end up building a championship contending team, you're winning a championship in Sacramento. Like, that's, that's looked at a lot differently. You probably feel better than you do with anything else. Welcome back to another episode of the King's Pulse podcast presented by the King's Herald. My name is Brendan Nunez. And for the first time in a while... We have Rich Ivanowski back on the show. The question everyone's been wanting to know, how are you doing, Rich? People have not known for a while. <laughs> I forgot that's like our thing. Uh, what up, Maine? I'm doing good. I'm doing fine. I'm doing fine. I'm, uh, yeah, I'm supposed to have like an answer right. That's not just fine. Um, I just, I feel like just saying fine because now that I'm not answering the question three days a, a week, that seems like a good answer. That's yeah, a fine answer. I mean, it it could be worse, you know. It could be worse. Sacramento was doing more than fine, um, I will say. That Super Bowl was extremely boring. I guess we can touch on that really quick. I didn't even really care to watch. Um, I, I took it as an opportunity to walk my dog since nobody was out on the uh, streets or anything. And it was great timing, let me tell you. Yeah. Uh, did you think that, I mean, I guess you don't care that much, but did you think that, that, uh, the Bucks were going to win? Who did you have? I would have picked the Bucks, but like, I'm just still salty from the Niners, um, showing against the Chiefs. So I, I just couldn't, I, I couldn't root for the Chiefs. Like it's too much for me how much everybody pushes this Mahomes thing. I know Brady isn't the easiest guy to root for, but for me it was more rooting against Mahomes than anything. Yeah. Uh, I've been screaming that the Bucks would win it, but I guess I was still too cowardly to put any money on it. So, so it doesn't really matter ultimately. But I mean, hey, Tom Brady is a Northern California guy, so we'll take that. The real game of the day, though, was this Sacramento game against the Clippers, and man, to keep up this uh, this little winning stretch, seven of eight, to make it five in a row. Um, De'Aaron Fox and Tyrese Halliburton just doing their thing in the fourth quarter um, and against Kawhi Leonard for De'Aaron Fox it seems like absolutely nobody in the league can stay in front of him and um, I think our theme today this was this was your idea Rich is to kind of break down uh, your wording is what's real and what's not with this winning streak right yeah so I've been out of it you know I've been a little bit out of the picture I've for for anyone that uh, is curious where I've been, I've been moving to Dallas and I've been working crazy hours and my wife is pregnant and uh, uh, we're moving across the country. So I've just not had a ton of free time. And uh, unfortunately, some noise is happening. Unfortunately, 
that means I've missed like I missed basically the entire losing streak. Like, and that's what I that's what I really don't understand. Is like I was seeing the losing on box scores, and then by the time I kind of tuned back in and watched the last few games, they were winning again. So I'm just trying to figure out what what's been going on. Apparently, you're the difference. Uh, it sounds like you need to watch every single game. Pretty much, I man. I mean, it out. you know what actually happened is I started a series um, on this called Is Sacramento <laughs> Worse Than Whatever Team? Um, it was bringing other people on, and then they just won every game since then. So it sounds like we are both kind of partnering in a way to really help the Kings here. Short lived series, yeah. Yeah, I mean, very. It seems like uh, the question's been answered, but yeah, like, so what's been happening? Like, tell me, so tell me, I remember, like, I remember we saw the the first two Denver games together, and then obviously we just saw the Denver game over the weekend, and they were dominant in those, relatively dominant. What happened, like, in between? Yeah, um, well, they were the worst defense of all time. Um, and we're playing against some some good offenses. Um, in the Clippers that we saw tonight, they played twice. They played Portland twice, um, Golden State, Houston, while they still had James Harden. Um, and really the defense was just extremely uninspired. Um, you would see these 15, 10-point leads in the first quarter, and I think everybody watching, including the players that are on the floor, knew that that lead would eventually crumble. And once it did, you kind of just see horrible rotations um, and, and really just uninspired guys that kind of had their head down. Um, and, and that wasn't everything, you know. I think that um, there was a, a a little bit of getting used to some of a new roster, like um, Bogdanovich not being there meant more creation responsibility on Harrison Barnes, who I think has gotten a, a bit more used to that recently. Um, and in the recent stretch, I mean, really, Luke Walton is playing eight guys for the most part. Um, tonight it was a little deeper because it was a back-to-back, but for the most part it's eight guys and, and maybe about five minutes thrown to – uh, Glenn Robinson or or Kyle Guy on spotty nights to make it nine, but really I think getting a tighter rotation um, and getting some momentum, playing three bad offensive teams in New York, Orlando, and Toronto, um, really I, th- I think got them some momentum um, and made them somewhat competent on the defensive end because throughout the stretch I thought their offense was fine, but they're giving up 120. Every single night, I want to say there was a stretch of 12 quarters in a row where they, uh, the Kings had given up 30 points plus. Um, and, and then, yeah, they finally played some poor offenses, and I think that got them a little bit of momentum, and there was less of the um, poor rotations because people aren't just locked in. I, I think, like, Fox and Barnes were guys that had criticisms on the defensive end of the floor for a little bit because, um, again, yeah, just a lack of engagement um, when things were clearly going downhill and they were getting blown out and and you just don't see that so I think there's little differences in that way um, and it's hard to ignore I, I mean a whole lot of injuries against these teams that they've played um, against Toronto there's no OG Ananobi Miami there's no Goran Dragic the Pelicans no Stephen Adams Boston no Jalen Brown Marcus Smart Peyton Pritchard 
Um, Denver, there's no Gary Harris, Jamal Murray, Dozier, Composo. Clippers have no PG-13 or Patrick Beverly. Five of the last eight games they've played in this streak, the opposing team has been missing a starter. Um, so Kings are playing well, but I think the dice are kind of also uh, rolling their way a little bit in this one. Yeah, that makes a ton of sense. Um, this is a really strange year. So, yeah, I mean, and and to my question of, like, what's real and what's not, I'm going to kind of break down some smaller questions um, and ask them to you, and, and I can tell you what I know, and you can fill in the rest. But you mentioned him early on there in that breakdown, Harrison Barnes. He's a guy that I'm – immediately thinking of when I'm trying to think, you know, is this real or is this not? So I got to ask you, is Harrison Barnes, has he, let's start here. Has he really taken a step forward? Is this real? Um, I, I mean, I think that he has more responsibility again to kind of echo what I said at the beginning with Bogey not being there. Um, and he's always been, even when Bogdanovich was on the roster, one of only two guys alongside Fox that can actually get to the rim on his own without the help of a screen. Um, And they've just needed that even more often. So, I mean, I think he's shooting unsustainably. Like, over these last eight games, he's 51% from the field, 44% from three, 92% from the free throw line, um, which is obviously ridiculous. And then the 15 games prior to that, his shooting splits were 48, 39, and 81 um, which isn't a massive difference, but, you know, yeah, 3%, 3% say, each one. That's not, like, crazy. Like, we've had Bielitsa stretches where he's just shooting, like, 65% from three. Yeah. Um, I, I don't know. I mean, I'll just say it doesn't seem, like, insane for Barnes. It doesn't. And it, I, I don't think that it's actually very unsustainable play for Barnes. I, I think he has occasional, like, quarters where he's just really been on fire. Um, but I, I mean, he seems more aggressive in attacking guys off the dribble. Um, I, I think that he's again taking more responsibility, and that's kind of upped his playmaking. But I don't really think that like the play we're seeing from Barnes, outside of like a couple ticks down in shooting percentages, is the most unsustainable, really. So has he gotten better, in your opinion, or is this just his role is changing, so his output is changing? Hmm. Yeah, I, I mean, I think a little bit of both. Yeah, a little bit of both, and I think it's primarily the role. Um, I, I think maybe the way he got better would be, um, I don't know if it's weird to say, but like his quick, his first step looks quicker for some reason, um, which isn't something you'd really expect at, at this age as he's entering his prime. Um, but yeah, and maybe like some better playmaking reads. Um, but yeah, no, I think it's mainly the role thing. Yeah, interesting, because, so I'll say, um, in the two games this weekend, he looks pretty phenomenal against Denver, and then he kind of had a bad game today, relatively speaking, against the Clippers. Yeah, he did. Um, He did. Um, He also had, you know, Kawhi on him for a, a good stretch of the game. Um, and was taking on the defensive responsibility of checking Kawhi. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it was it was definitely more quiet than I think um, you've kind of been used to. But, I mean, I think that still uh, one of seven and zero of four, you know, like I, I think that 
a couple more shots go in. Like he, my thing with Barnes is I just don't ever feel like he's doing too much, which was obviously a critique while he was in Dallas um, with with too big of a role there. Um, so I, I just kind of feel like Barnes doesn't really make very many mistakes and capitalizes on opponent missteps and just continues to do that. Yeah. Um, and against Denver, I was he just seemed to be making like very smart decisions, but also finishing. And I remember that from the start of the season as well. Like he was just finishing like crazy. Yeah. Well, he also um, like the difference between the two games. I mean, he's covered by Michael Porter Jr., who's probably one of the worst defenders in the league, and then he's covered by Kawhi Leonard. Yeah, that's fair. That's fair. Um. And then, uh, you know, I had to get in the mix, obviously. So I haven't been on Twitter that much recently either, but I had to get in the mix. So I said, you know, I came on there and said, trade Harrison Barnes, of course. Well, his value is high. So let me ask you, is he, and I got a lot of pushback, including from at least half of the Kings Herald. Um, you know, is he really a guy that, that uh, the Kings need to hold on to? So I don't mind if they hold on to him, um, and it's partially because I really do enjoy Barnes, and, and having a quality small forward is obviously really crucial, especially in the Western Conference. Um, if you're talking this year's success, yes. Um, mm-hmm. But I don't think moving forward that he's a guy that you like have to keep on the roster. Like if we can't, if you can get. Neesmith and a first or something like this or even I don't know Langford in a first I, I understand that being a little low but like I think about that um, so I, I think in, when it comes to this year's success Barnes is one of the least replaceable guys on the roster um, but long term personally I, I don't think that Barnes is like on the next great Kings team um, I think that, you know, if, if you want to capitalize on your assets and your focus is, you know, probably three years down the line in my mind where you're actually a team that has potential of getting out of the first round. Um, like, I just don't think that Barnes, the, the current roster has a ceiling of what maybe stealing one win in the first round. Um, and to me, I, I would shoot higher than that. And I think that the way that you do that is, uh, as you've pointed out, I mean, Fox and Halliburton are locked in right now. Halliburton's on a rookie year. Fox is just beginning a max extension. Um, these guys are locked in. I, I think that really you um, need to get players that are going to fit that timeline better, and uh, I just don't think that Barnes is a guy that's likely to necessarily stick around. He, he's entering his prime right now, and I think that you need to capitalize on the asset that he is, and, and the Boston situation to me specifically is very unique um, with the TPE that they have, and I do really think he's kind of a perfect fit there. Um, so I, I would answer it with, I think this year he's essential to what they're doing right now, but I don't think he's an essential piece moving forward. I mean, yeah, I'll be even more clear with my opinion on that, which is that he is he he is essential for this team to to get wins, and winning is not essential for this team. So I would trade him. I would. I mean, even watching, I, I understand. You know, I missed uh, six or seven games, but I feel very confident just because personally, I I just think that 
I think maybe my absence can be helpful in some way because I remember what it was like three weeks ago, you know, when any one of us would have given a pinky to get a first back for Barnes. So that's the kind of thing where his value's gone up. I think a first period for Barnes is, I mean, it's a huge win. I, I really do think that, but. Yeah, I, 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 I don't think that, you know, you want to end up with a late lottery pick again. Like, sh- people are going to look at, oh, well, we just got Halliburton um, at pick 12. Like, that is a very clear outlier situation. Um, and I, I just don't think that you want to – this is the last year to me that I think you can, like, really reasonably um, – I'm trying to avoid the word tank, but that's that's pretty much what I'm going for here. Um, because yeah, thank you. yeah thank you. I, I mean, this is this is where I've been. Like, I think you add one more top five guy to Halliburton Fox core, and you're set. And I think that right yeah. now you're a game and a half out of the four seed, but you're also a game and a half out of the thirteenth seed in the Western Conference. Yeah, you're you're in ninth place. This is what upsets me is that so I put that trade out there, and everyone was like. No, I'd rather just take the playoffs. It's like, dog, like, <laughs> that's not, like, just there for you to just default to. That's not the other option. Like, it's you're still in ninth place right. at best. Yeah. Anyway, yeah. all right, let's go to the next one here. Um, Fox, uh, now this one isn't hard for me to have an opinion on because I've seen the last six games, and this is these are the six games that have kind of begged this question. But is uh, is Fox really a star? It's a yes. It's a yes. Um, I, I mean, what Fox has done recently is ridiculous, and a lot of it has to do. Um, like, I, I was surprised to dive into his numbers um, from the last, from the first fifteen compared to the last eight, where they've had this winning stretch, and his usage hasn't even really upped that much. Um, it's just been that he is on the floor a lot. Like I said, Walton has really. Um, kind of restricted the rotation. Fox is getting six more minutes a night compared to that first stretch, um, six more points during that stretch, and obviously it's this three-point shot. Um, you know, shooting five a game on the year and 36% from three um, is a development that, you know, I think we all hoped for Fox, but I don't know that we necessarily saw it coming, especially this year. Um, you talked about, I think, at the beginning of the year in these first couple of games, you were like, man, Fox still isn't punishing guys for going under, and that's a really big problem, and he 100% is now. Um, he, he's very confident in doing that, and for him to have that shot while also, to me, having more patience and an improved handle um, and really... I mean, we always knew Fox could blow by anybody in the league, or at least it felt that way. But I think now with that improved dribble to him, you're really seeing that. Like, he did it against Kawhi Leonard. Um, he, he's done it against some of the some of the quickest guys in the league um, laterally. And, and recently there's been some games, you know, uh, definitely kind matchups when freaking Jeff Teague and Duncan Robinson or, or guys like this are checking him. But... Again, I mean, we saw him do it in the clutch against Kawhi Leonard. Um, he's been extremely clutch in these last uh, in these last games. He had 12 points in the fourth against the Clippers, only seven against Denver, but 
13 against Boston in the fourth, 17 in both New Orleans and Miami games in the fourth quarter. Um, I, I think that De'Aaron Fox absolutely is a star. Um, he, he's shown a jump in his playmaking as well, and I, I think he just realized he can do whatever – he can get to wherever he wants on the floor, um, and he's more crafty. I mean, yes, I, 100% I, I think Fox is a star. Superstar, um, that, that's a different conversation, and it's just going to be about consistency. Um, but star, yes. Yeah, I agree. Um, and I think you're right, it does come down to the shooting because he's had hot streaks before. Uh, and, you know, scoring 23 points a game this season, that's nice. I mean, he's gotten close to that before, and we haven't really thought of him as a star yet. Um, but I think it is the shooting. To be able to shoot, I mean, just taking over five threes a game, it's just the most massive thing. Like, And you're right, I think you tweeted about it today. You're like, this is what literally everyone's been saying, that he just needs to shoot it more and at a decent clip. And it just opens up everything for him. So because people have to, because, you know, teams have to respect that, now his speed and his change of pace and his playmaking gets so much more impactful. Um, And, yeah, I don't think it's even worth discussing further. Yeah, he is a star now. Yeah, he hasn't shot less than five threes um, during this eight-game stretch. He he had two games of ten or more. yeah, there's definitely a willingness and, and confidence, and yeah, I, I mean, undeniable, I feel like. I really felt like um, he could never be the number one player on a contender, and I'm not sure about like, the contender part. I definitely think he could be the number one player on the playoff team, but I mean, like now I'm starting to wonder that, I mean, maybe he could be. Maybe he yeah. could be the number one guy. Uh, I'm actually it's exactly not, with yeah. you. That was my question. Was uh, and part of the reason I was like, man, like this is this is your last year of like the, where you can get one of those guys. I felt like, and, and it would be through the draft. And now I'm like with you, where uh, I'm starting to question. Maybe maybe he can be. Yeah. Um. All right. Let me ask you this one. Uh, a lot of talk been going around about this one. Is Luke Walton, uh, does he really deserve credit for this season? Um, A lot of credit talk. Yeah. A lot of credit talk on Twitter. I mean, so a lot of it has to do with the jump of De'Aaron Fox, right, Um, that we just kind of touched on. And I think that that credit should go to Fox himself. Um, A lot of it has to do with Tyrese Halliburton coming in and being a difference maker. Um, and I think credit, you know, maybe goes to the front office for making that selection and and Halliburton for being a ridiculous player from the jump. What it comes down to for me, um, my my credit to Walton will be, I I think he's shown a willingness to alter rotations. I think we saw that last year, Um, you know, moving heel to the bench, I don't think was an easy decision, Um, but it it definitely benefited the team when he did that. but what it comes down to for me is I don't feel like he's optimizing any of these players. I don't feel like he's putting them in ideal situations um, to optimize them. Like we saw last year um, in an ideal use of, of Buddy Heald, obviously. Um, this year, even in the um, the stretch against Denver or last game against Denver, there was a stretch of Marvin Bagley being the one to guard Jokic. Um, in, uh, I want to say it was... 
the beginning of the fourth when, when Jokic really started going on his run. Um, so I, I think there's definitely more cases of misusing players than optimizing them, and it's hard for me to find instances of optimizing players. Um, so I struggle to give Luke credit because I don't feel like this was a question last year. So another aspect of it to me is how much of it is you know Gentry or Rex Kalamian sitting on the bench. And maybe, you know, maybe Walton's an okay coach if he has other good assistants with him. Maybe that's a thing. But I, I don't feel like Walton is the reason that this team is doing well right now. I, I Like I said, I think the way I answer it is um, I can point to more instances of him misutilizing players rather than optimizing them, and I think that's a problem. Yeah, I'm completely with you. I I mean I don't, I really don't have much to add. <laughs> I just think that's uh that's absolutely right. You don't just like you don't deserve credit for doing the bare minimum. Um and and very much a lot of what Walton does right feels like no-brainer things. And so I'm not going to praise him for that. Yeah, I mean his his big thing it seemed like last year was making them a competent half-court offense. And um, I, I mean that's that's happened, um, but again, is that because De'Aaron Fox has has taken this jump, um, and you have Halliburton now, so Heald doesn't have to be the playmaker that Walton was kind of trying to make him. Um, so yeah, I guess I guess he succeeded in that aspect, but I just don't know if it's because of him. Right, it does feel like a couple of grown-ups got on his staff and. And did the obvious things, but right. I mean, and yeah, and again, I mean, they're one game over 500. We don't need to we don't need to get started on like let's let's keep praise on him anyway. Let's just all let's all settle down on that front. Um, yeah, you rarely hear about coaches being great or good, or you rarely hear credit being heaped on coaches that are basically 500 at best. Um, yeah. All right. Yeah. Next one here. Yeah. All right. Next one. Um, is Bagley worth starting? Really? Is he really worth starting? Because he's, I mean, he's been pretty stuck in there. Yeah. What it comes down to for me is I, I think that Bagley needs to be played among other good players. Um, I think you need to hide him on defense, and the way you do that is at the four. Um, I'll have a piece coming out soon about. Uh, a little bit of criticism about uh, how I think he does need to get run at the five, even though those lineups have kind of gotten destroyed. Um, but I, I think that the reason that you have Bagley start is he needs to be around other good players and just fill a minimal role, which I think he's done well on the offensive end um, throughout these last, you know, eight games, maybe 10, 10 or so games. I, I've been impressed with, obviously, his corner shooting, um, and, and just his three ball in general has definitely shown some progress. I think he's done a really good job cutting. Um, so I think that the reason you start Bagley is because he needs to be around other good players. If if he's thrown out there with, you know, sometimes we see lineups of um, Corey Joseph, Halliburton, say uh, Glenn Robinson, Bagley, and Whiteside, you don't really feel Bagley at all. Um, and maybe that's maybe that's progress because before you would feel him in a negative way. Um, but I, I feel like he just does small things on the offensive end um, that 
the good players on the roster when he's out there with um, are able to kind of feed and take advantage of. And that's the reason that you have him starting, um, which doesn't quite say that, yes, he deserves to be starting, but I do think that it makes sense to play him alongside the other good high-usage players. Yeah, that um, that works for me. I, I tweeted something very similar today, just saying how impressed I was with his team support play, like you know the very basic role player aspects of the game. I mean, taking those corner threes, you know, just making good cuts, like finishing on open shots, basically. Like he can, I mean, he's bouncy. We know that he can finish uh, your alley oops. He can, you know, if you get him to a point where he doesn't have to take more than a dribble and has a pretty decently open look at the basket, that's great. And that's going to help Fox. It's going to help Halliburton. Um, but he should never take anyone off the dribble ever, ever, ever. I'm just so <laughs> disgusted with his shot creation. It's every game. I mean, and I, even sparingly, like when I would turn on 10 minutes of a game in a hotel uh, on the drive out here, I would I would tune in briefly and – there's no amount of time you can't watch a Kings game for any amount of time and not see a disastrous Marvin Bagley uh, self-creation possession. Like you cannot watch any portion of a Kings game and not see him travel and get a charge within within that within that 30 seconds. It can't. It doesn't happen. He got absolutely swatted by Ibaka today uh, because it was just the most telegraphed thing since he stepped in the stadium that he was going to try to finish with his left hand. I mean, he basically needs to be treated as like, like this is going to sound absurd, but like a Davis Bertans, like just like, just like catch and shoot, or you know, cut to the basket, and and then when you cut, and if you don't get the ball, move back out to the perimeter and float around in space, and then do it again. Like that's pretty much. Yeah. I mean, he should only take ultra high percentage shots because he doesn't have anything floater range. He doesn't have any moves at all except for the one move that's ultra telegraphed. It should be corner threes and shots within three feet of the rim. That's it. Yeah, and that's a very replaceable player. Um, The point that he's at right now, um, I I think he's extremely replaceable. Um, It's just that Sacramento doesn't have much depth. and, you know, there still is an upside, obviously, to Bagley at 21. Um, maybe, you know, develops a little bit of a handle or some, anything at all with his right hand. So that, that's why you do give him this opportunity. Um, but, yeah, I mean, he's definitely – I mean, it, there's a reason he's not out there in crunch time. I almost believe in his ability to develop defense more than to develop a handle. Um, I mean, maybe you can get him to be like a Miles Turner light if you just, like, convince him somehow to give up on uh, his dribble drive and just try to get him to focus on interior defense, and then you know, maybe you can just have him, you know, be that stretch five that, that everyone hoped Edmund would be. I mean, that's the best-case scenario is, like, Atlanta Hawks-era Dwayne Edmund. Yeah, I mean, the issue is that he isn't playing the five at all right now. And I think that's part of the reason, like a a very slight part of the reason that the team has been better because the Bagley at the five minutes were genuinely horrible. Um, But like, 
I mean, people need to stop acting like Hassan Whiteside's like the savior at the five or something. Um, you know, they, they go to a two, three zone every time he's out there because if he ever leaves the paint, he's, he's screwed. Um, yeah, I, I mean, Whiteside has plenty of his own flaws on the defensive end. Um, and he should not be the reason that Bagley doesn't get, um, some minutes each night at the back of five. Yeah, you know, I made a, I'm trying to remember what they all were. I made a predictions piece, um, for the sack B just before I took off for, for Dallas. And I know there were a few that I was very wrong about, but a couple I feel good about. One, uh, I remember, I remember in our preview podcast, I said that, Bagley might even look so bad that he, like, I was legitimately concerned that he's not going to be worth picking up that option. Like, that was it, eleven million dollar option next year. Mm-hmm. I don't think he feels like an eleven million dollar player. Now you do it, obviously, and at the time, at the time, even like, obviously, it's an overrun. You do it, but it's gonna. I think it's gonna feel like he's overpaid next year. And the other one was that Bielitsa would just straight up fall out of the rotation. And is that what's going on here with Bielitsa? Yeah, I, I, apparently um, it, it's it's very mixed reporting of um, you know some people saying there's personal reasons involved, and then other sources saying there's there's no personal reasons. Um, but apparently he's been involved in trade talks, and my uh, kind of reading between the lines is is less of you know the play of Bielitsa, um, but more so um, that they're kind of is something in the works with him is what would be my guess. Because I think a lot of the reason Bagley's playing at the four is you don't have another four. Like you have Barnes, but Barnes is playing such a heavy amount of minutes at the three, um, or he's already just playing a lot of minutes. Um, I think like, you know, they, they want Whiteside in the rotation and they only have, what, eight or maybe nine guys they actually feel comfortable with being in a rotation. Um, and Bagley, like if they consider Barnes a small forward, which I guess he's both, um, that Bagley's like the only pure four I, I think that they have right now um, in the rotation. But to me, like, well, you play Bagley at the five and Bielita at the four. Um, like it's not like you don't have another one sitting on your bench. So, yeah, there's it's uh, it's been interesting mixed reporting with Bielita. But, I mean, it's definitely not like, I mean, any any lineup that throws out Bagley and Bielitsa or Whiteside and Bielitsa, any two of those trio is immediately horrible defensively. Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. Um, and just to touch on something here, I, I wanted to uh, talk about one of my predictions that was very, very wrong. I said that uh, Buddy Heels will be an all-star. How about that? That was the most, that was the, the boldest take that I had. Um, doesn't seem like I am have any stand any chance to be right about that. But just give me a heat check on on Buddy because honestly, I haven't I don't have a good read on him other than I can look at his two point percentage and, and three point attempt rate and say okay this is what what Heald is doing. But it seems like otherwise his role has just been reduced, which is a good thing, right? Yeah, I think that you and I both kind of pegged him as the guy that would be the the leading scorer on the team. And I think maybe the the shooting jump from Fox um, and Halliburton coming in and instantly being a, a scorer and threat in that way, I, I think more than expected. 
um, probably just lowered the amount of healed shots that you're getting. Um, but yeah, it was a little bit of a slow start to the year um, for for Buddy standards at least. Um, and yeah, I mean he he's still getting up, you know, ten threes a game and and knocking them down at a high thirties clip. But yeah, I think that you know the unexpected, at least in my mind. Um, offensive capabilities of or jump from Fox this year and responsibility that Halliburton was able to um, put on his shoulders in the first year kind of just lowered the um, shot attempts and what what is asked of Heald. So that's why, in my mind, he hasn't been these, this leading scorer that I think I kind of expected him to. I will say, I just pulled up this article, I will say I think my other predictions weren't pretty good. I'm just going to just to just because I love to pat myself on the back, I'm just gonna say the other ones the the Kings will easily hit the over on their over under. Uh, the elites will fall out of the rotation. Halliburton will get an all will be on an all rookie team. He's gonna even do better than that. And then the other one I just want to say Joseph will be traded by the deadline. So let's hope against hope that that's happening. Real quick on him and the only other guys, if you just give me like 30 seconds on, on fill me in on like Kojo and Whiteside and GR3. Yeah. Um, I mean, Kojo is not really bringing you on defense, bringing you anything on defense, um, which is obviously rough when that's kind of what I think his main role was um, coming into the year. He, he gets blown by by everybody and there's a lot of three-guard lineups, um, Fox, Kojo, Halliburton, maybe Guy thrown in there sometimes as well, um, that I think you're kind of asking too much of Kojo. And then on the offensive end of the floor, like I, I can't overstate, I've said it a bunch on Twitter, like any lineup that doesn't have one of Fox or um, Barnes, you're asking too much of Tyrese Halliburton. Um, and I think your offense instantly becomes your only option, really, of effective offense is Halliburton and whatever big man in a pick and roll. Um, and, and because you're so limited to creation, you get more of Corey Joseph, Corey Joseph dribbling the life out of the ball. Um, and he's not really hitting a great clip from three. Um, he, he just doesn't really do anything for you. Um, I think it's a lot of what we had seen before, and he's just even a step slower. Um, and then the other one, you, I think you mentioned GR3, right? Yeah. Um, for Glenn Robinson, I think that um, I think that uh, he's he's smaller than I actually expected, which is weird. Um, but he on the offensive end, I think that um, sometimes he does a little bit too much. Um, you see him kind of taking like pull up jumpers in a mid range, and um, I don't think that he's quite been the impact player that I would have hoped for on defense um I didn't think he was going to come in and you know like change the tides or anything but really being a positive there I think um there's more moments of him probably uh being a negative on that end and you know I assume that when Daquan Jeffries is healthy which hopefully we get an update soon um Glenn Robinson will get cut out of the rotation and yeah, I think he can give you okay minutes, but um, I mean his shots aren't falling, and I, I don't think his shot selection is great, and he's not good enough on the defensive end for that to be the sole reason that he's out there. For sure, for sure. Um, all right, then. So this brings us to the big question, the final question. Um, you know, have the Kings 
turned a corner. Is this is this is this real? Is the big big picture have the Kings really turned a corner? Have the Kings really made a leap? Is this uh, a real improvement? Yeah, this um, seven of eight games and five straight now after this win against the Clippers. Um, yeah, again, five out of these eight games, uh, the opposing team has been missing a starter, and then there was also Miami missing Drogic, who's kind of their super super subs. Um, and, you know, my answer to this is I think Fox has um, over this stretch, and I think that's been a big difference and allowed them to close games. And I think because of that, the offense has looked really good. Um, the defense, I think, has looked better than it probably should. I don't know that that much has changed on that end of the floor. Um, again, they kind of shortened up the rotation, so that probably helped. Um, like not playing badly at the five sure helps the defense for now, um, even though I do think they need to give him those minutes. But um, some numbers that I think are really interesting on what NBA classifies as wide open threes, which is a defender no closer than six feet. The first 15 games, the Kings' opponents shot 44.9% from three, 29th in the league. The last eight games, 30%, 30.4%, which is second best in the entire league. Um, wide open field goals in general, the first 15 games, 44%, which is 26th, and 38% in the last eight games, which is 7th. Um, I mean, I have I have a few of them here, but a lot of it I do think has to do with you were playing poor offensive teams. Um, opponent, opponent field goal percentage in the first 15 games, 50%, which is the worst in the league during that stretch. In the last eight games, 43%, which is the second best during that stretch. I don't think that this is because the Kings are playing better defense. Um, you know, they, they were about the same amount of wide open looks um, and those not falling, obviously, is a big factor, um, even from three, those first 15 games. And, and to be fair, it, it's somewhere in the middle here because during those first 15 games, I did, I do think they had a lot of matchups against really good offensive teams. Um, but I, I do think they're a bottom 10 defensive team. And yeah, again, the last eight games um, during this stretch, they're fifth in opponent three-point percentage at 33%. And this is just the teams that you're going up against. Um, you know, a, a Boston without Jalen Brown, uh, Peyton Pritchard, Marcus Smart, um, a, a Toronto team that's really struggled on the offensive end of the floor. Um, you know, New York, who just cannot shoot for the life of them. Denver, who is relying on R.J. Hampton and Marcus Howard to give them minutes. Um, so I think that... The offense is legit. I think they've gotten a little lucky and had a kind schedule when it comes to the defense. Um, so I think that Fox has changed, but the rest of the team, not so much. Yeah, man. I I love it. I love to hear it. That, that completely grocks with what I'm seeing. Fox is is legit better. Tyrese Halliburton is legit on the team, and um, and and yeah. Uh, aside from that, I I can't buy the rest of it. It's a, it's a it's a bizarre year. Um, the the other thing I'll say is that I think the NBA is is being really sneaky and really tricking 
like five extra teams, uh, fan bases into believing with this ninth and tenth seed nonsense. I, I, I hate it. I honestly hate it. I wish that it didn't, it wasn't happening. Um, because it's going to make, it's going to make, I mean, it's honestly going to fool some teams into trying a little bit harder than they should when they should probably be like, especially ones, uh, who have coaches or GMs that are, worried about their job security and thinking, well, I can just get this play in appearance and save right. my, save some face there or something like that. And like New York trading. It wouldn't surprise. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it, this is going to be this year. If you're not, if you're not a contender, this year should mean nothing to you because it's just going to be such nonsense and such randomness. And you are going to face, a different looking team every night and and you could easily end up like three games over 500 even um and and have it not be super representative of growth so yeah when i look at like the back end of this roster and even some of the pieces that are supposed to be core pieces like marvin Bagley, you know and buddy healed it's it's just like there isn't enough real growth for me here i think they got some professional assistance in and Darren Fox took a leap, and they made a hell of a draft pick in Tyrese, but that's not enough to go from bottom dwellers to like true, true good basketball. They they they're fooling the eye a little bit, and they're they're playing average basketball on most nights, and uh, or on a, on a good amount of nights, and that's good. But this is not this isn't a sea change. This is not this is not. Uh, this is not a corner turn. Yeah. You know, you left out one question here, actually, that I think is an important I one. I saw that one. Oh, do you want to go over that one? I, I think it's interesting because I think that, like, kind of like you were saying, like, Fox and Halliburton are core guys. Um, I think that, you know, Barnes is a very good asset. Um, maybe very good overstating it. I, I think he's a solid asset. I think Heald and Bagley are, are replaceable is kind of where I'm at. And then Holmes is the one that's like a question, right? I think some people view him as a yeah. core piece. I'll, I'll ask you. Yeah, I was gonna. I looked at it and it seemed too different from the other ones. So it's like kind of about money, but and we could do some sort of. Uh, I could come back on at some point and do like a free agency one as the season goes on. But yeah, I just want to ask you, like, based on how he's playing, are you ready to you know cough up a big contract for Rashawn Holmes? Does he really deserve that? I. I'm like so torn with this because I feel like uh, over the last year you and I have just like preached like don't throw a lot of money to centers unless they're true difference makers. Um, and I love Holmes, you know, like leading if or if not still leading in, in top five, top ten in field goal percentage on a night-to-night basis. Um, I, I think he's solid on the defensive end even though he's very foul prone. I think if you're talking, you know, 12 million range, um, I feel okay with it. MLE type money. Um, once you start to reach, you know, 15 over three years, then I worry um, because, you know, I think that it's easy to forget that centers are very replaceable when the backup centers that the Kings have had have been not actual NBA quality centers. Um, and, you know, maybe you just kind of hope like the new front office can actually bring in a competent $5 million center as Holmes was. Um, 
So, I mean, I definitely have a point. You know, I think like three years, 45, three years, 50, I, I, I probably am like walking away at that point. Um, yeah, and, and you know, if you know that's the type of money he's going to get, um, had a conversation with someone from Toronto. It's like, yeah, I'd cough up my first rounder for Holmes. And if you know Holmes is getting $15 million plus for a good stretch, I don't think it's crazy to think that you could get a promising center um, with the, what, 20th pick in the draft. Yeah. So like $12 million, I'm okay yeah. with. If, and 15 over like two years? Sure. If it gets longer than that, around like that 15 range, I, I start to worry. Yeah, no, I, I'm I'm with you. This is the one where, I, I mean, this is one where I'll definitely have to defer to you. Um, it's harder to judge a center on, on like less tape. It, it, especially when like the guy he is being replaced with is right side a lot of the times. Yeah. So he does feel maybe that's what's going on here is that Whiteside's there to make Holmes look really good. But yeah, I mean, like even if he is debatably the tenth best center in the league, I just don't think that's I just don't think that's worth uh, fifteen million a year. Yeah, yeah, and I th- I think he's yeah probably you know something like fifteenth best center in the league. Um, yeah, like something in that range and. Yeah, I mean, just how big of a difference is there between, you know, the 15th and the, like, 30th even? Right. I mean, 10th, I mean, yeah, honestly, 10th and 30th, 15th and 45th. Like, if you have a good system, you can pull a guy off the scrap heap pretty much or close to it. Right. I mean, look at the centers. And obviously Golden State is is an outlier, but, like, you're winning with Kavon Looney and Festus Azili, you know? Right, that's exactly right. I mean, the you know the Celtics do this every year. They just get whoever. Um, I mean, lots of teams do it. It's if you don't have a special player at center, don't pay don't pay for a center. But look, I love Rashawn Holmes. I I really do. Like I love him as a player. I really hope that the Kings do keep him at a reasonable rate, or that he go gets gets paid somewhere. Um, like truly gets paid somewhere, and that's great. That'd be great for him too. But yeah, it's not. Uh, yeah, yeah. Clint Capella is eighteen million right now, um, which is a lot in my mind. Um, Christian Wood thirteen and a half. Um, he was MLE money. Um, I think Wood is probably a better player um, than Rashawn Holmes. Wood's an All Star yeah. this year, um, probably. Um, yeah. I think he just went down with an injury, but like. I think when you look at Serge Ibaka, Tristan Thompson, Montrezl Harrell, all got this nine, nine and a half million. Like I think that's the type of range you talk for Holmes. Yes, that's and and he'll take that. And I mean, I think that's what will happen is he'll ask the Kings to give double that almost, you know, to play out for the Kings. Or you know, if if not, he'll go play for a contender for nine million for the MLE. Yeah, it makes sense to me. And yeah. Um, I, I guess we're the I, I'm the tanking podcast, um, but having lovely baby. Yeah, yeah, Holmes is the guy. Like I, I think Barnes is really important, but like clearly the defense goes to crap when Holmes is not there because you're going to Whiteside, Metu, or Bagley. Um, if you know that you can't keep Holmes, I think you could actually get a first rounder for him. 
Um, Absolutely, so. and do that. Sell, sell on home, sell on buddy, sell on, on barn, sell on anyone you can get a first rounder for. And honestly, like an added benefit is that smash smash Bagley into the five spot. Yeah. Yeah, and this is, again, like if you know you can't play pay homes um, because um, you just get a feel of what his market's going to be. Um, again, yeah, I absolutely love homes, and I'm loving the play um, that Sacramento has displayed recently. Don't get me wrong, um, just just kind of remaining a little bit realistic with some of these, you know, open open shot numbers and playing again five of the eight teams missing a starter. Um, usually a pretty important starter in Sacramento, remaining um, extremely healthy. Knock on wood. Um, so yeah, I, I, don't get me wrong. Absolutely loving Holmes in, in the play from the Kings, but you know, likely going to come back down to earth a little bit here. And when it comes down to it, you're 12 and 11. Yeah, um, yeah, absolutely. Uh, Holmes, amazing, amazing player, amazing, even more amazing parents. Not a star. The Kings. Amazing start, emerging youth movement. Love it, love it. Not a good team. Still, sorry. Yeah. So, uh, about it for me, I man. think I think an issue that uh, people still hold with Fox is this in and out versus Whataburger thing. And I think you got a little bit of perspective now, no? Yeah, I mean, honestly, like that's like it. It, it does upset me um, <laughs> because Whataburger is not good. Um, so here's the thing: like sometimes chains. Sometimes they'll get a bad location, and I've only been to one location of Whataburger, but I mean I have not been impressed. It's um it's very Carl's Jr. Like everything is is like soaked with like pastrami or chorizo burgers. Like it's like a burger, but then they add like guacamole, bacon, cheddar. Like In and Out's like they don't it shouldn't be compared because In and Out is just like basic burger. And, like, it's almost healthy if you think about in and out Like, the fries aren't, like, what you consider just, like, crazy deep-fried fries. It's also why they And it's just, but yeah. I mean, I'd prefer, I would love, being in Texas for three weeks, I would love to just not eat fried food for one fucking meal. <laughs> it is tough out here. My heart is, it is honestly <laughs> tough out here. Yeah, I'm gonna have to try this at some point. Uh, in and out, uh, I'll stick by uh, in and out burgers are good for their price because um, they're on the lower end for most places. Like, give me a Five Guys burger over in and out all the price. time. But yeah, yeah, give me Five and Out over uh, Five Guys over in and out all the time. But like Five Guys is like double the price for this burger. I, I mean, I will I will quibble with you. I think the In and Out burger is a better burger than Five Guys. I mean, like here's the Shake Shack is a better burger. But it is legitimately five times more expensive. Yeah, right. Which is most places. Yeah, like I, I've. And Whataburger's, to... Whataburger's like in the. That's the problem with Whataburger. Whataburger burger is like three times as expensive as In and Out, and it's covered in like bacon grease and bacon and jalapenos, which I you know whatever. But it's really a, like it's really a tough meal. Like if you look up the Whataburger, look at the menu, and like a basic meal is like twenty two hundred calories. It is really rough sledding. Yeah, yeah. It's the only complaint that uh, that I think we can still key on with Fox, though. It's the only one, and I think he's just you know it's it's I'm sure she's just from Texas. On. Yeah, yeah, exactly. He's just from Texas, and I'm just from California, so. Exactly. 
Who knows? Who knows? Well, it was great having you back on, Rich. Miss you, man. Hope you're doing well out there. Um, and thank you to everybody for listening to this episode of the King's Pulse Podcast. Guys with the King's Herald continue to put out great work, so definitely check that out. Um, and head over to the Patreon to support local independent King's coverage. And if you enjoyed this episode of the King's Pulse Podcast, please subscribe, rate, and review, and you'll hear from us again in the next couple of days here.